I'm Brandon Knight, and this is My Seminary Life, Episode 4, where we'll be talking about the dark night of the soul. Welcome back, everyone. And we are continuing our conversation today on spiritual formation. Last week, we talked about um, experiencing God in prayer and being led by him in prayer. I encourage you, if you haven't listened to those episodes yet, uh, to head on back. There's only three episodes, so it's only going to take you an hour and a half to get through those three plus this one. You could listen to all four episodes twice in the amount of time it'll take you to sit through one screening of Zack Snyder's Justice League. It's a real deal. You can grow way much more doing that than by watching four hours of Justice League. It was a good movie, though. Hey, we're halfway through this class. I'm halfway through my first seminary class. I'm so excited. I can't believe we're already here on week four. Um, it seems like it seems like we just started, and yet the beginning of March seems so long ago. Uh, but I'm excited to be here. I'm excited that we're growing, and I don't know if the audio is any better for this episode. Uh, unofficial producer Bradley was telling me that the audio has been sounding really good so far, but I have a new headset mic combo going into this episode, so hopefully everything continues to sound as good as it has been, if not better. So like I talked about last week, I wasn't really sure what we were going to be talking about this week and next week as well. Um, thankfully, because of the lectures from this week and also technically last week as well, it became pretty obvious that we need to take some time to talk about the dark night of the soul. The dark night of the soul. What we're going to talk about next week, still not sure. But uh, this week, we're going to be talking about the dark night of the soul. And obviously, every time during the lectures, the professor said, dark night, my mind immediately goes, ooh, Batman, let's listen. Uh, uh, it wasn't that night. It, it's not Christopher Nolan. It isn't K-N-I-G-H-T, like my last name. It's night as in nighttime. But the dark night of the soul, this is a common term that gets used in Christianity. Uh, a, another one similarly would be going through the storms in life. You know, the dark night of the soul, it's, it's these moments where God seems distant, where life is very, very hard, and there doesn't seem to be an end in the distance. Maybe there are some mental health issues as well, like depression going on. All of these kind of combine together to be a part of the dark night of the soul. And when my mind isn't going to Batman, when I think of the dark night of the soul, I'm actually reminded of a story from the, light, from the life of St. Patrick. Uh, St. Patrick was a real person. He was an English missionary who uh, traveled to, English Catholic missionary who traveled to Ireland, one of the earliest missionaries to Ireland. And a lot of St. Patrick's life is a very interesting one. I wrote a paper about him for my History of World Missions class when, in my undergrad. 
it's interesting to study his life because it's so muddled with all of the uh, legends and lore of his life, you know, driving out all of the snakes from Ireland or uh, using the shamrock as an illustration for the Trinity. All these things kind of get muddled into his actual life story, which we don't really know too much about other than from his confessions, uh, which I do have a copy here on my bookshelf. I read it a couple years ago in preparation for that paper. One thing that he writes about when uh, St. Patrick first started his missionary journey in Ireland, one of the earliest nights there in Ireland, he writes about an experience where during the evening, he had to pray and pray all night long because it, it felt like as if there was a physical emotional and spiritual weight on him. I believe he describes it as a like a like a boulder was on his chest. He just felt this heaviness in the darkness of the literal night. And so he prays all throughout the night and he and he writes about how it with the coming up of the sun, S U N, as the sun began to rise, he felt the sun, S O N, begin to rise in his soul and the burden was lifted and he was able to go on throughout the rest of his missionary journeys. We have the dark nights of the soul like St. Patrick and like St. Patrick, we want the light to come on. We want the sun to rise. We want Jesus to intervene. But it's important for us to spend time understanding the purpose of the dark night of the soul in our spiritual formation, and that it may not necessarily just be something that we need to get through. We have these dark nights, but where we are at in our Christian maturity will determine how we respond to these dark nights. Uh, we've talked about before how when we come to Christ, we often have an eager and a passion for him. We have a, a hunger and a thirst to be in his word, to be praying, to uh, be among Christian uh, people at church and uh, fellowship with other people. And we have a hunger to be with God. We love him and we want the pleasure of being with him. It is pleasurable to be reading his word. It's pleasurable to be praying to him. And then the dark night happens, you know, the, the loss of a job, the depression sets in, family members die, a worldwide pandemic shuts down the world and you're isolated in your home for most of the time. The, the dark night comes and when we're in this wanting God for the pleasure of it phase in our Christianity there's kind of three responses that happen when the dark night comes. The first one is you keep doing what you do, what you're doing because you know that's what you're supposed to do. That's often my response. As I uh, go through patches of deep depression or disappointment in my life, my mentality is to buckle in. All right, going to read more scripture, going to go to church more, worship harder, pray harder. Because that's what I know. That's what, that's what you're supposed to do. 
The second option in that early phase of wanting God for the pleasure of it, we start doing all of these things that we know we're supposed to do to try and get through the dark night of the soul. And we begin to conclude that they, quote, obviously don't work. You know, we don't see any change. We're we're reading more scripture, we're we're fasting, we're praying longer on our knees, we're doing all of these things almost to the point of penitence to try and get through the dark night of the soul. Nothing is changing, ergo it doesn't work. Religion doesn't work, Bible reading doesn't work, prayer doesn't work, these things don't work because nothing is changing. Then there's the third option. So you can keep doing what you're doing. You can give up, essentially. Or you can realize that God is using the dark night of the soul to grow you up. God is using these heavy times in life to move you forward in your Christian maturity. If you would just stop and listen. If we could just stop and listen, sit in the weeds of the dark night of the soul, if we could just pause in the pain of the dark night for just a little bit and realize that God may have something for us here, we, or excuse me, God can grow us up. And we can move from this level of Christian maturity where we want God for the pleasure of it to a point where we want God for God. We've talked about this time and time again the past couple of weeks of how we need to get to a place in our faith where we want God for God. We want God for who he is, not for what we can get out of him. We want God for God. It's much like in a marriage when you move from the honeymoon phase to normal life. Yes, there should always be a level of intimacy in a marriage couple's life. But you start things off, you know, those first couple months or year or whatever in this honeymoon phase of just blind ecstasy of like how great and wonderful each other is, passion and romance, blah, blah, blah. And then you move over time as the blinders start to come off, the rose-colored glasses start to come off, and you start to see each other for who each other are, you start to move to this place where you you want the person for who you who they are. You want your spouse for who they are, rather than the pleasure that you can get out of the relationship. And that's how it is with God. He can use the dark night of the soul to move us out of this place where we want God for the pleasure of having him to a place where we want God for God. And chances are, we're still going to find pleasure in that relationship as we want God for God. Checks notes and make sure he's still on pace. It is hard to stay in the dark night of the soul. It's hard to stay there. And again, we, we've talked about this a little bit. Part of the reason why it's hard to stay 
in the place of the dark night of the soul is because it's it's painful. And nobody wants to be in pain. Given the option of good health or cancer, job security or job loss, depression or no depression, chances are people are always going to take the option with the least badness in it. We want a life with the less amount of pain possible. We want the good life. So when the dark night of the soul comes, we want to get out of it as fast as we can. I'm a professional wrestling fan, and there is a term from the industry called rush to the finish. Okay, so in a match, which, you know, those matches are predetermined who's going to win, and they have what's called spots set up. These are the big movements in the match that kind of keep the pace of the match going, the big fancy, you know, and he hits him with a chair, and they dive out of the ring. Like, they, th- these spots are predetermined, and they might do some improvising here and there. When a, res- when a match has to rush to the finish, what that means is that, you know, maybe the crowd isn't too interested in what's going on, or maybe uh, somebody got, got legitimately hurt during the match, and they have to finish things up and end it as quickly as they possibly can. So they, you know, call an audible, skip whatever, a third of the match, and end it right there. Because things aren't going well. That is how we are when it comes to the dark night of the soul. Things aren't going well, and we want to rush to the finish. We want to get to the end. We don't want to be in pain, so we want to get to the ending. And I really think that part, another part of the reason why we want to rush to the finish is because our theology doesn't let us stay in the pain. I think our theology has kind, our, our understanding of scripture has been a little warped in the thinking that we can't, we shouldn't stay in the pain of the dark night of the soul. Now, don't hear me wrong. If you are having an extended, long period of time of the dark night of the soul, long nights of depression, hard time after hard time after hard time, and it's wearing you down, you go get help. Seek out counseling. Seek out your pastor. Seek out a healthy group of Christian community that you can rally behind you and help you through this time. But in a normal case of the dark night of the soul, where thing where life is hard, I think our theology has dictated us that Christians are supposed to be the ultimate op- uh, optimist, always hopeful, and when bad things come, we rush to the fin- we w- rush to the finish. You know, well, well, life's hard, but God is good. I'm going to praise him in this storm. I'm going to, you know, uh, he's, he works all things together for good. We want to, we want to re- use the truth of scripture that, yes, we should worship God in this storm. And yes, all things work together for good as an excuse for not realizing that where we are at now God can still use to grow us up, to talk to us, 
and is a place where we can worship him. The professor said in his lecture that in his experience in Christianity, evangelicals don't like to lament. We are, as evangelicals, we are uncomfortable with the idea of lamenting. We don't like it. We want to just hold on to the the promises of things are going to get better and heaven's going to be so much better than how life is right now. And because of that, we turn a blind eye to what God could be doing right now. Claire, last year, um, during the the dark night of the soul known as 2020, uh, started participating in a social justice group on Facebook. And this is where this whole idea of us not evangelicals not being comfortable with lamenting was actually first brought up to me. Because this was a topic of discussion that came up during her uh, classes. You have to, everyone who's a part of this group has to spend time basically taking a class, listening to podcasts, reading uh, articles before they can even really participate in the group. And she's been, she was talking to me about this and just this idea that we don't like to lament, even though it is so biblical to express our pain to God. Just look at King David. King David lamented. We have all these psalms, which are songs that the Jews sang to worship God that talk about, my enemies are surrounding me. The wicked are prospering. My soul is crushed. And yes, there's moments in these psalms where David says, but I know that judgment is coming for the wicked. And he prays that the judgment may come. But he also takes the time to sit there and say, God, where are you? How long do I have to sit in this pit? I'm waiting patiently for the Lord to arise and hear my cry. Like, God, when are you coming? We can lament. You think about, you know, we we also, like I said, use the term the storms of life when we talk about the dark night of the soul. And the purpose of the storms in life, I think, among many American Christians, the purpose of the storm is to get through it. The purpose of the storm is to get through to the other side as quickly, rush to the finish as we possibly can, rather than seeing it as a teaching moment from God, which was exactly what happened in the scriptures. In the storms, you know, these stories in the gospels of when Jesus calmed the storm, it was a teaching moment. Yes, he calmed the storm, but it was a teaching moment for the disciples for them to see who he really was. That's what the storms of life, that's what the dark night of the soul is for, is for us to see who Jesus really is. And speaking of Jesus, he lamented too. Our verse of the week is Luke 22, 42 to 44. This is Jesus praying in the garden, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. 
And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So here's Jesus. And in a matter of moments, he's going to be betrayed. He's going to be arrested. And in, in due time, he's going to be killed. This weekend, as I'm recording this, we are remembering and celebrating the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And here in the garden, before all of this happens, he is praying. And he is in agony. An angel is sent to strengthen him, but he is still sweating drops of blood as he is praying to God that this won't happen. If there's another way, please, but not your, not my will, but yours be done. God didn't take the cross away from Jesus. This was his will. And Jesus had this agonizing moment where he is lamenting to the Father. And an angel is sent to strengthen him. But his heart is still in a place of, let your will be done, Father. And that is the example that Jesus leaves for us here. That we can come to God, pouring out our heart. And as we are in agony as we are lamenting to him, but we still need to come with a heart set on not my will, but yours be done as I go through this agonizing time. So where are we going to land at this today? The dark night of the soul is not a time to exercise super endurance to race through it, to get to the finish as quickly as you possibly can. That's not the purpose of the dark night of the soul. The dark night of the soul can be an opportunity to grow in your relationship with God. He can be using this time to grow you in, in your Christian maturity to a place where you love Him more deeply for who he is and not for what you can get out of God. It's okay to lament. It is okay that when the dark night comes and life is heavy and you just want the sun to rise and take this darkness away, it is okay to lament to God, to sing these psalms that we have in scripture of just how crushed we are feeling. Again, if you're in a prolonged season of the dark night, please seek help. Please seek out counseling. But as you go day by day through these dark nights, don't just rush through it. Don't give up. Don't just keep doing what you've been doing. But turn to God. And listen to him and what he is doing. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, thanks for listening. And if you did enjoy this episode, please subscribe, leave a review, a star rating, a review, whatever it is on these different platforms, 
a heart, a star, a whatever favorite. Ever, there's no universal thing here on telling me that you love the show so much. And please let somebody you know that isn't listening to the show that you think will enjoy it, that they should be listening. And you can tell them that we are available on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Google Podcasts. I always want to say public radio when I get to Radio Public, but it's Radio Public, not public radio. Maybe someday I'll have a radio show. That would be cool. Uh, if you want to keep up with me on social media of everything that I am studying for the class and also maybe uh, some thoughts about whatever I am streaming at this time, you can follow me on Twitter at my underscore seminary life. The MSNL are all capitalized, my underscore seminary life on Twitter. Uh, I have also recently learned, I was testing this out with Bradley the other day, uh, shout out to unofficial producer Bradley, that on Anchor, which is our main podcast home, if you go over to our channel on Anchor, there is a way that you can leave a voice message for the show. So if you want, if you had like a question or wanted to say how great and wonderful the show is or whatever, you can go over to Anchor and you can leave a voice message and I can use that audio clip for the show, which I think is really cool and we'll probably use at some point if I get some questions in. Um, and I think that is it by way of all of the technical announcement stuff. It looks like this episode might be a little bit shorter, but that's okay. We can all get on with our days after this. Uh, again, I'm not too sure what we're going to be talking about next week. I have an idea, but I'm going to have to see what we're actually studying next week before I make the final call. There's a uh, there's something that's been coming up these past couple weeks, especially in a reading that I did this week, that we really haven't touched on yet. That's why I picked The Dark Knight of the Soul to talk about this week, and there's something that came up in a reading this past week that I was like, well, we haven't this hasn't come up yet, so maybe we should talk about it. So that might be what we do next week. In two weeks, we have another book discussion. I, Like I said before, I have a ton of books I have to read for this class. And, uh, you know, if you, I don't want to flood the, sh the show with uh, book discussion reviews. If that's something that you want, let me know. If you want more book discussions, we can focus more on that. But in two weeks, we do have another one as we are going to be talking about Martin Lloyd-Jones, Sanctified Through the Truth. I have to write a book report. I don't know when was the last time I wrote a book report. This is, I had to pick one of one book to write a report on, and this is the one I picked. So, because I've heard this is a good book to read. Uh, my pastor recommended this series to me at one point. And I, yeah, that seems to be it. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, chat soon, friends.